Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Crops. This week, we're digging into a new series related to hot takes in agriculture. I'm MP. And I'm Jenna. Thanks, Combating Climate Change. We're diving into the Net Zero Banking Alliance today. We'll go through what it is, what we learned from searching articles on it, and how it could impact ag in the future. We don't really know what to call this series. It's yeah. It's <laughs> an ag, like MP said. We're just going to kind of deep dive some hot current events in agriculture. Uh, so if anybody has any good ideas of what to name this series, we are open to recommendations. We need to put a box on our social media. Absolutely. We have been so terrible at doing anything with our Beyond the Crap social media and even just promoting episodes in general. So mm-hmm. thank you to everyone listening for sticking with us. Absolutely. <laughs> day ones with us. (laughs) Yeah, we really appreciate it. And honestly, this is something we enjoy. Uh, The social side of it hasn't been a huge priority, but we are definitely making it a priority to bring you great content. So this is, I'm excited for this new series. I am too. So I texted Mary Pat this morning. I get the magnetic ag emails. It's kind of like the tea or the pour over the skim, the skim for ag related news. And this one caught my eye. It said NZBA negatively zeroing banks in ag. And I kind of just skimmed over it. And then I sent it to MP and I said, we should talk about this. And she agreed. Are these, okay. I do have one quick question related to magnetic egg. Are there two magnetic eggs? Because I'm subscribed to one, but I didn't see this article this week. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm subscribed to the same one you're subscribed to. Okay. Well, we can leave a link if that's something that our listeners are interested in and we'll see if our links match. Yes. (laughs) It's NZBA negatively zeroing banks in ag. There's another new acronym out there and one ag isn't necessarily excited about. So NZBA or the net zero banking Alliance is a global group of financial institutions dedicated toward financing ambitious climate action. Put that in quotation marks yeah. with the goal of pushing the economy toward net zero greenhouse emissions by 2050. So I dove into the NZBA. We're going to go NZBA. So it's like almost sounds like NCBA. Don't get that confused with not the National Academy's <laughs> Beef Association. No. <laughs> it is the Net Zero Banking Alliance. <laughs> anyway, they launched in April 2021 and it really came out of the UN, I believe. Mm hmm. And now, as of today, they're, they mobilize 43% of the banking assets worldwide, which is kind of a lot. Yes, it's 143 banks in 44 countries, which is 41% of global banking assets worth. And their total assets are over $74 trillion. It's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of money. So to be part of the NZBA, banks need to sign the commitment statement and pledge to follow the target setting and reporting process, which is in their guidelines for climate target setting. And their lending and investment portfolios, they need to align with that pathway to net zero by 2050. So what I kind of picked out of that is they're trying to focus their portfolios away from these industries that might be contributing more to climate change, right? Right. So no one should be surprised here. They picked ag as one of the big contributors to climate change. And there was a document that was published, uh, an introductory guide for net zero target setting for farm-based agriculture emissions, an overview of best practices to operationalize 
operationalize, say that five times fast, <laughs> banks net zero commitments in the food system. And this is a 65 page document that I read a good portion of it. And in the foreword, a climate change lead from the UN's Environment Program Finance Initiative said, the ag sector is one of the largest contributors to global greenhouse gas emissions and poses unique challenges for banks driven by data complexity and methodology gaps. This was in the forward of that document. So you can imagine I, my blood was boiling before I even read any further because I can already tell that their information is skewed from a side that maybe doesn't necessarily represent actual facts, actual facts. Yes. And so these banks are required to establish emissions baselines, and it says the banks should use widely accepted science-based decarbonization scenarios. And the whole widely accepted science-based thing was where I questioned, where is this coming from? And I don't think I got that answer in any of my research. I agree. I feel like I went down a lot of rabbit holes that led me to nowhere on this. It kind of felt like there's some really splashy, flashy headlines trying to get people excited, but I don't really know what's going to come of this. Mm -hmm. Like, are they actually doing anything? Right. And I went into it a little more too, to see like, okay, what is, what is the, what is the opposition to this? And for the most part, what I found was what they labeled as green banks kind of upset with the NZBA because they weren't being aggressive enough with their regulations. Um, and then I also saw NZBA not willing to drop banks because of being too like aggressive with the fossil fuel industry, for example, that was one that was thrown out there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion on like, okay, how is this actually impacting anything right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, so one of the things that caught my eye in the initial magnetic ag article is it could, it, this is from that article. It's not my words. This could mean slicing Americans beef and livestock consumption by 50% mandating inefficient electric farm machinery and making a switch from nitrogen fertilizer. Obviously as a commercial crop grower and commercial cattle producer, that definitely caught my attention. And I wanted to know, okay, where are they getting this information? Why do they think that the NZBA could lead to measures that are that drastic? And from our research, we found they really didn't have great sources for that. And the sources that we did find, MP, do you want to dive into this? You're the one that found that source. Yes. So the part of this article that I went into was, do we all need to stop eating beef in order to curb climate change? The sh short answer, the longer explanation, um, reigning in climate change won't require everyone to become a vegetarian or vegan or even stop eating beef. Um, if ruminant meat consumption in high consuming countries declined by about 50 calories a day or 1.5 burgers per week, that would decrease it enough where they wouldn't need to any additional agricultural expansion and, and deforestation. And it's true even with the higher world population, which is projected to be 10 billion by 2050. And remind me the source that that came from. Okay. It's called the World Resources Institute. I don't know so, anything about that. Yeah, I was looking through that website and I immediately said, okay, who's funding this? Because the numbers and statistics that come out of that website don't really align with research-backed organizations like UC Davis Clear, the Center for Clarity and Leadership for Environmental Awareness and Research at UC Davis in California. So studies that have come out of UC Davis 
say that if every single American quit eating all animal protein from their diets, that would lead to a reduction of 2.6% in greenhouse gases. And, or if everybody in the United States went meatless Monday, it would only be a 0.3% decrease in greenhouse gas emissions. So that's drastically different statistics than the source that Mary Pat found. What we found digging through this, all of the things that were mentioned and relating to NCBA is it really depends on what, where you stand, you're going to be able to find information that supports your narrative. It became very clear that confirmation bias is a very real thing. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I have a question reading through this because um, NCBA is requiring these reports from the banks and the banks have to get that information from their customers. So obviously like 43% is a lot of the banking in the world. But what I guess the question I asked myself is like, if we were being regulated even more as farmers, what would stop us from leaving our bank and going somewhere else? Um, if like, for example, if we were having to convert all of our tractors to electric tractors and it wasn't a feasible move for our farm and we actually couldn't afford it, but our bank was telling us to, what would, why wouldn't we go somewhere else? Right. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, the problem could be the trickle down effect. So maybe the impact or the these like requests for the reporting comes from the bigger companies, the grain buyers, the grocery stores, the meat processors, those kinds of places. Um, and they're having to be the ones sourcing the sustainably produced food, mm-hmm. which we, we're already seeing locally. There's different climate, grown climate smart labels on different products and stuff. Um, so I guess I can see how that could be something that would affect and have that trickle down effect. I thought too, I said, okay, all the banks, a part of this NZBA represent 41% of banks worldwide. Well, if you narrow it down to just United States, there's nine banks that are a part of this and they're pretty big banks like Bank of America, City, JP Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley. But I don't really see that having a direct impact on like the local banks that we use for our farm operating notes and stuff like that. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. But I don't know how like the, the, our buyers are affected by these banks. Right. That's true. I get what you're saying. So another thing that I kind of was reading was these banks in the NZBR are meant to com- complement government-led climate strategies. Um, but I guess what is within a bank's control for enforcing something like this besides just dropping their customers? And then at that point, is it a smart business move for them? Thinking about it like that is what made me think, I really don't see this affecting us at least any time in the near future. It really just felt like a big clickbait headline to try to make people think, oh, uh oh, the banks aren't going to fund farmers unless they make all of these drastic changes. Yeah, I felt that same vibe, actually. <laughs> and um, I get it. Like the initiative behind this is they want to protect the future for future, the climate for future generations. And I can get behind that. I think any producer has that at the forefront of their mind. Like, how are we going to keep our land sustainable into future generations? Um, but I wonder if this is something that if it did have that trickle down effect would do more harm than good, especially uh-huh. to like smaller farmers. Agreed. And I think it like a lot of articles that are a lot of things that surface through the news talking about climate change that are targeting ag, they fail to recognize 
the changes and how far ag has already come. According to the United Nations Food and Ag Statistical Database, total direct greenhouse gas emissions from U.S. livestock have declined 11.3% since 1961, while livestock production has more than doubled. So that's an like, incredible increase in efficiency and decrease in emissions. But for some reason, ag still gets to be the target of a lot of these things. I think that you'll, you'd find that across a lot of the different industries, especially in U.S. agriculture. And uh-huh. I think the concern globally does make sense, like deforestation and clearing more land for agriculture. Um, and I guess, you know, politically, if countries aren't getting along, that adds in a whole other challenge for trade and whatnot and right. where these products are able to be produced. Uh I also got really irritated that it's all these big banks that are part of this organization and they're targeting ag. And then the first thing that came to my mind is, well, I wonder how many of these banks have private planes and how often are they (laughs) using these private planes? Because according to the EAPA, transportation has one of the biggest percentages of greenhouse gas emissions. So I did look it up and Bank of America has nine private jets. (laughs) Citibank used to have four jets and a helicopter, but they took their fleet down to just two jets. Like, how honorable. JP Morgan, four jets, <laughs> Goldman Sachs, two. Wells Fargo has one. They say strictly for business. And they also say it's the only bank with more than one trillion in assets that doesn't allow its CEO to use its company aircraft for personal use. So then I got into this rabbit hole about, oh my goodness, these <laughs> banks have all of these private jets and they're letting their executives just use them for personal use, but they're coming at agriculture for our greenhouse gas emissions. It's just infuriating. <laughs> Yeah, it is hard. I feel like it's really easy to point the finger and decide that it's not your fault instead of becoming part of the solution too. Agreed. And along those same lines, greenhouse gas emissions in the United States, ag is only 10%, and that's according to the EPA. And I think methane is always the hot topic when it comes to ag's greenhouse gas emissions. Yes, ag does have a large percentage of the total methane emissions, but methane only stays in our atmosphere for 12 years before it's broken back down and it's part of the carbon cycle. But all of the CO2 that we're emitting from these private jets and transportation and all the things that stays in the atmosphere for so much longer that will never go back in our lifetime. So it's like all of the CO2 that comes out, it's like that's the genie that's let out of the bottle that can't be put back in, but methane can be put back in. But just because ag has a lot of methane, we get the finger pointed at us. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand how methane works. They just see these big statistics and, oh, ag has over whatever percentage of methane and then we become the bad guy. But you're right. They don't understand the carbon cycle or how it works. And that ag is sequestering that carbon. Mm -hmm. So I definitely wanted to touch on things that farmers are already doing that in turn reduce emissions, but they're even better from a production standpoint. Like, yes, emissions are something to keep an eye on, but how is the farm producing and being sustainable with the level of production? Another, I guess, similar along the lines of reduced inputs for production, like there's, it's incredible. I did not look up the statistic, but the amount of nitrogen per bushel of corn has gone down since the 1960s. Uh-huh. Like, or, I mean, that's, it's been crazy drastic. Because contrary to some documentaries you may have seen on Netflix, (laughs) our soil is not going to be a desert anytime soon. Our soil is actually very fertile. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, we're able to produce more with less, a lot more. And um, some of these practices that we're implementing more and more that help with that even further from than from just all of the natural progression and genetic advancements and whatnot from the 1960s is uh, strip till. 
we do a lot of it on our farm. It reduces the use of commercial fertilizer by like at least 30% because you're mm-hmm. putting it only in a s- stripped band on the soil. And it also reduces tillage plus the tons of other minimum till options out there on the market today. Mm-hmm. In the past 30 years, I feel like so many have come out. I think what you were, the statistic you were wanting to grasp about beef is that the United States farmers and ranchers produce 18% of the world's beef with only 6% of the world's cows. Like talk about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're getting that in the other sectors too, is I guess the point I was trying to get at. Like, yes, there are commercial fertilizers used, but when you look at how many bushels per pound or unit of fertilizer, the, that ratio has gone up. Like we've been able to use less fertilizer and still produce a lot more corn or soybeans or whatever we're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we've talked about pivot bio a lot, but the use of biologicals to replace commercial fertilizer has become been becoming, I think that's like the current egg boom, honestly. Right. There's so many brands out there coming out with new technology for us yeah. to use. And pivot bio is a microbe that we apply in furrow to our soil. And then that naturally occurring microbe produces the nitrogen. There's a lot, a lot of stuff on the market coming down the pipeline like that. Yep. I think uh, also an underrated one is auto steer, just like Mm -hmm. getting guidance lines to make sure we're not overlapping or over applying certain products makes us so we're more efficient and sustainably using our equipment and inputs. Right. Like Mary Pat said, the NZBA was founded back in, was it 2021? Yep, April 2021. But this was was resurfacing because recently 12 state ag commissioners sent a letter to top execs at these banks warning that the banks meddling in this global eco-alliance could impact food availability, increase food prices, and minimize credit opportunities for farmers. My thoughts on all this whole thing, the deeper I dove into it, I just felt like a lot of people were, it kind of feels like these banks were just like, okay, we need to be... Uh, we need to prove something that we're helping with climate change. So we're going to put out these big statements and these big programs while you read through the banks programs. And it's like, are you actually doing anything? It doesn't feel like you're actually doing anything to help climate change at all. It just felt a lot of it felt made up. And I really don't feel like this is going to affect us. (laughs) In my opinion, the term you're looking for is greenwashing. (laughs) You even had a definition for Uh, it in here, right? Yes. A practice of making a misleading claim about the environmental benefits of a product, which I completely agree with you on. I honestly think what I thought was kind of funny is researching NZBA. It was there were so many more of these green banks coming at them for not being aggressive enough. And I just thought, you know what? I just have a feeling like all of these big, powerful people are not going to be able to agree. Agreed. So there won't actually be anything crazy happening. That's my opinion. Um, I do feel like it's greenwashing. And um, I mean, there's another thing I didn't even talk about, but like to reach their targets, they can buy carbon offsets, which they buy from farmers. Right. So, which is again, just that whole thing just seems made up. Like it's, it's yeah. So they're uh, blaming ag for being part of the climate crisis, but then they're buying the carbon credits from ag so that they can offset their own emissions. Like explain that to me. Yeah. And it's from these practices that I already talked about. Nitrogen management plans, reducing Uh tillage, cover crops, those kinds of things. They're able to buy the credits from us. Um, And I guess I wrote down like, yeah, that's good. It puts more money in the farmer's pockets, but what are we actually, are we actually creating a solution or is this a way to ignore the things that are really negatively impacting the environment? Like transportation and private jets and right. So I think that's kind of what I got from this is, yes, I do think it was a 
get your blood boiling type of article, uh -huh. the more you dove into it, the less I cared. Agreed. <laughs> I, okay. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, this was kind of fun. A shorter episode just to kind of give you a quick hot take and egg. If this was something you guys enjoyed, please let us know. And if you want to hear more of, of this kind of an episode. Yes, I joke that I live under a rock and I'm happy here, but I think doing hot takes with Mary Pat is going to make me dive a little bit deeper into what's going on in the world. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. I think it's really easy for us to live in our bubble. And and I do think that there's we could go have gone down even more deeper rabbit trails in the global type of or global environment you know, but it's really hard because then you wonder like, where is this information coming from? Yeah. I, the more I looked at statistics, I'm like, I literally don't know who to believe because everybody just puts out what they, what supports their own narrative. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a wild, wild world we live in, Jenna. It is the wild, wild west is what I say. Well, be sure to tune in next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday and we really appreciate all of your reviews and mentions on our socials. Remember, we do a giveaway every month and we love hearing from you. Thanks so much. See you next time.